So hello, everyone, and welcome to the next podcast for Career Optimum. My name is Joe Rosenlicht, and I am a career coach uh, at the GW School of Business and with Career Optimum Coaching. And we're very happy and very lucky to have with us today, Mackenzie Farrell, Blowenthal. <laughs> I got it all in. Yeah, a lot of um, And uh, Mackenzie is a former coworker of mine at GW, but I'm gonna let Mackenzie uh, introduce herself. Mackenzie? Great, thanks, Joe. I'm very happy to be here. Um, so I am Mackenzie Farrell Lowenthal, recent name change in the last year or so. Um, so I am also a career coach. Um, I met Joe during my time at GW. Um, I worked at George Washington University for about three and a half, four years um, on the career team, helping create some career-related programming for undergrad students. And um, you know, through my time at GW, I was able to earn my master's degree in organizational leadership and learning. Um, it was really that leadership component that I enjoyed about my work with the students and was able to, you know, expand upon in my master's. And that's what led me to creating my own company, Feral Group, where I was providing coaching and advising to, um, to undergraduate students with their first internship or first job hunt. And then it slowly expanded to uh, some of my other colleagues who were looking for their first career change out of undergrad. They were looking, you know, they had been in their roles for a couple of years and were looking to make that first job switch. Uh, so I was able to provide them with some resume feedback, some general coaching and advising career related, um, and then even helped a couple, um, you know, high school students look for their um look for their various opportunities in higher education and, and working with them to learn different ways to, um, to market themselves on their college applications and then also become leaders on campus. So it, I, I really became a jack of all trades when it came to the, the leadership and coaching component, um, but recognized within my first year or so with my own company that I was really enjoying the career related feedback that I was able to give to my clients. And so that's what led me to, um, to finding this role at Georgetown University that I'm currently in. I'm helping um, uh, as a career strategy advisor for the MSF program, working with master's students as they um, are preparing themselves for their career search after graduation uh, from their master's degree. So uh, again, GW is where I met Joe, and I'm very excited to be here to get to talk to you today. Great. Thanks, Mackenzie. So yeah, it's you've had a lot of really great and diverse experience and working with students in all different stages of, you know, all the way from high school students through master's students. So that I think is a really, um, it's a great opportunity just to get to know the different needs of, of different age groups and where they are in their career development. So um, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So thanks again for being here today. And so I thought we would talk today a little bit about quarantine and COVID-19 and um, work from home and the effect it has both positive and negative on us as career services staff, but also students and just 
you know, it, as it relates to relationships and <laughs> the whole the whole ball of wax, um, as they say. So I thought, you know, I think people are, you know, a lot of people are just going through the same thing. So it might be nice to kind of share what, you know, our experience and, you know, people can kind of compare and contrast how they're living their lives through all of this craziness that we are still going through after 13, 14 plus months. So sound like a good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let me ask you, um, kind of when lockdown and quarantine started back in the spring, uh, early spring of 2020, how well did you adjust to being in quarantine and what were some of the initial challenges, both from a personal and professional standpoint um, in those early days? Sure. So it really does feel like a lifetime ago. I'm, I'm hoping that we've got some light at the end of the tunnel, um, but it, it really is wild to think that we've been in this new world that we've created for over a year now. Um, so when I think back, you know, professionally, my, it's strange to say that I was, I'm very grateful that I was in the position that I was during uh, the beginning of this pandemic, because I had just started my position with Georgetown in February of 2020. And, um, you know, then the world shut down in March. And the program that I'm working with, this master of finance program at Georgetown is um, almost completely virtual. So it was a program that was already remote before the pandemic forced us all to be remote. And so I was really lucky that I was already a part of a program that had the tools and the resources to have their employees online. Um, and so that was certainly helpful in my transition that I was able to continue in my working environment um, the way I had the month before. Um, but of course, we didn't know how long that was going to last at the time. I was looking forward to the opportunity to taking some of my coaching appointments on campus. And, and to me, I think that building relationships in person is just something that's so much more natural to all of us than, than trying to build them over a computer screen. So um, shockingly, I have never met my coworkers up to this day. I still have not met my coworkers at Georgetown in person, um, which to me, I'm, I'm a very, um, I love people. I love to interact and that's what gives me my energy. You know, I, we've talked about this. I'm a, quite an extrovert. And so um, not having that daily human interaction was probably the biggest shock to my system. Um, gratefully, um, you know, I live with my husband, we are in a one bedroom apartment. And so certainly that was quite a transition uh, at the beginning of all this was the two of us cohabitating in a small space. Um, he works in construction. And so the first two weeks of the pandemic, you know, when everything shut down, we didn't know how long it was going to last. I think at that point we thought maybe it just would be 14 days and then we'd all be back to normal. Um, so he was working from home during that time. It seemed just like a bit of a play date, you know, a, a fun adventure to be able to work from home together. And then he slowly transitioned back into the job site permanently. Um, 
So I truly did go from having, you know, being able to work out of a coffee shop for my virtual meetings to then being confined to my home, to then being confined to my home with a new coworker in a small amount of space who was used to um, yelling and, and interacting with coworkers quite loudly on the phone due to a construction site, to then having no one and not in, interacting with anybody for days on end. Um, and I think that was probably the biggest uh, difficulty for me was not interacting with other humans. Um, and again, I consider myself lucky that I was able to work and that I had the opportunity to continue work per se as normal. Um, but I think that that was an interesting transition. I think it's very unnatural for us as humans to not have that interpersonal interaction. And I certainly noticed that with the students as well. Um, and, and even, you know, just personally with family and friends. Um, it certainly was a difficulty to transition to not having that same routine. Um, but again, you know, consider myself very lucky and grateful that I was able to continue that work during that time. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my adjustment looked a little bit different. Um, and that's just because I am an introvert. Um, and so going from, uh, you know, full-time in the office to full-time work from home, um, you know, in terms of interacting with others and kind of having that kind of back and forth and that, you know, some of the social aspect, um, it was sort of a reprieve for me that, you know, being home and I've kind of discovered over time, you know, from the time we first went into lockdown kind of throughout and up till today, I kind of feel like this is my preferred uh, mode of working. But with that said, you know, I, I do, you know, I'm an introvert, but I also enjoy, you know, human inter interaction as yeah. well. Um, so I feel like you now some sort of hybrid situation going forward for me personally, maybe for you too, you can let us know, like that for me would be the ideal. Um, I think I tip more towards work from home if I had to like put percentages on it, but as long as I knew there was some sort of, you know, periodic face-to-face in-person interaction. Um, I think for me as an introvert, my, my temperament, my personality, my preferences, that would be my ideal situation, whether that comes to bear in my job, we'll see. But um, yeah, I feel like there's definitely challenges though. I mean, it's not all a bed of roses, right? It's, it's there are challenges with, you know, so Robbie's home full-time as well. And so, you know, there's that, kind of always that challenge of inter potential for interruptions when you're on a call and, you know, just kind of, sometimes we tend to unintentionally invade each other's space and it just happens. Yeah. But we've also learned to kind of mitigate that as well, to have open communication and to kind of let each other know, like, like this is, this is what I need and this is what I need. And 
Um, this is how I work best and vice versa. And kind of learning kind of along the way to minimize those distractions and those interruptions. Yeah. And so, um, and then there's also the mental health aspect, right? And how do we, how do we maintain our mental health during this time? This is not only true for us, but for the students we work with, right? So, but for your, let's start with you, like how, how have you been able to kind of keep upbeat and just not get down um, in this kind of very weird situation that we've been in. Yeah. Well, I think you bring up a really great point. You know, I can empathize with you that the communication piece needed to improve. And P.S., this was in the first year of our marriage as well. So we really were spending the more time together than we had in the last seven years of our relationship. And so being able to communicate your needs became vital for our success and our overall happiness and then tie that into the mental health piece, you know, and, and it's difficult to communicate things when you're under stress. You know, if you think about the Myers-Briggs type indicator, how your type completely switches when you're under stress. So how you would maintain normally under, under regular circumstances, you completely act the opposite when you're under severe stress or um, when you're unable to communicate your needs, it can get really difficult. And so I think I, I learned a lot about myself um, during that time because I needed to take some time for reflection to recognize, okay, so how do I properly communicate to my partner that that it might not bother him for me to be on a call across the table from him, but it bothers me to have him on a call when I'm on a call across the table from me. Does that make sense? You know, he's, he's used to being on a job site. And so he's used to there being constant machinery and yelling. And I'm not used to that. I was used to being alone working from home and I needed to communicate that without getting upset because what mattered to me didn't matter as much to him, but what mattered to him didn't mean as much to me. Um, And so that communication piece anyways, became really important. Um, But then it's even more difficult to communicate your needs when you are learning them about yourself in real time. So I think with the mental health piece of everything, there was so much unknown going on and there still is, Um, you know, between, not knowing what type of masks we needed to be wearing, just hearing on the news that people were dying and that we were feeling helpless, not knowing what we could do to protect our family, to protect our friends. Um, We weren't able to travel to be with those people to help protect them. Um, You know, for, for my husband, he was working on a, on a job site with 500 plus people and he didn't know what he was going to be bringing home. And, um, on top of that, everything that was happening with racial injustices. And it just, it felt like at all angles, we were at a loss of control. Mm -hmm. And so what I learned about myself is it was really difficult for me to acknowledge those things happening around me instead of trying to, you know, I I tend to brush things off and say, everything's going to be fine. It's going to work out. And there wasn't very much of that that we could do during during this time period. It was really important to acknowledge how I was feeling. And um, the things that really helped me were 
speaking to those things, certainly getting, you know, support from therapists. It was great to see that there were so many therapists that were able to work online and, and, you know, um, better help and so many new apps that were able to come out because of this to help give people virtual support, but also um, getting my body moving was really important. I'm embarrassed to say how many days I found myself in my apartment, never leaving the house. And, and part of that was because there was an un, there was so much unknown. We didn't know if it was safe for us to leave. They were clearing the streets. They were trying to avoid us going outside. But the days I was able to get my body moving, whether it was just um, using the stairs in my apartment building, doing a YouTube workout video, or trying to go on a walk, those were really the things that helped me maintain a little bit of normalcy and a little bit of control over my life, I felt. Um, so I'm a, I'm a huge proponent for, for mental health awareness. And so it was strange for me to not be taking care of myself, but to be checking in on all my other family members. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those were the few things that I could control about myself that were really helpful. Exactly. Yeah. It's for me, it was uh, kind of being very intentional about putting together a, uh, like a, a morning ritual or mm. the workday started where I would do my meditation. I would do my um, exercise, my physical exercise, um, my crossword puzzle, right? So um, journaling, whatever it was, you know, it was something, something, it's something different each day, but just sort of to set the right tone yeah. for the day, I think, because otherwise the day, you know, I feel like, um, in a virtual world, things just kind of snowball and we have to be very mindful of that work life separation, yeah. right? So take time for ourselves, whatever is going to work for each person is different for each person, but to make time to, and then keep just, and what actually something else I do is, and this is something I've learned along the way is I work in the same physical location. I have my desk. And I stay there as much as possible to create that, you know, physical, but also psychological separation from my personal life, my off time. Mm-hmm. You know, in the beginning, I was like, oh, it's great. I can just kind of hang out on the couch, watch some TV with my laptop and, yeah. you know, do my work. But then it was like, after a couple months, I was like, no, because the lines are getting too blurred here. I need to like, like everything's sort of like meld, melting into each other. It's like, we need to like um, create that, that separation. Did you feel the same? You're so spot on, Joe. I mean, boundaries is something that I'm not great at to begin with. <laughs> I certainly needed to develop some for myself. Um, in the physical and literal sense, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my living room as I'm saying this, you know, it really was, I was getting so sick of sitting in this same chair, looking out the same window every day, but I'm, you know, confined to these four walls. And, and so I, um, started to work from the couch. Um, there were some mornings where I was like, oh, let me just get it done from bed. You know, it's so much more comfortable here. Well, not only was I developing bad posture and back pain mm-hmm. <laughs> because of the lack of lumbar support um, from, my, from my bed work from home situation, but also I felt like I was constantly on. 
And I think that's another important thing with working from home is being able to separate those boundaries. You know, now more than ever, there are so many statistics coming out about how uh, people are working longer hours Mm -hmm. from home because, you know, that we don't have that commute anymore. Uh, So, you know, we know that we can be on our phones at all times. And so we're so much more easy to reach. um, And, and we, with, you know, coronavirus, um, you know, especially in the last year or so, there's been fewer activities for us to be able to take in, uh, to participate in. And so we don't have that easy cutoff time at 5.30 PM. Listen, I got to go pick up my kid from school or, oh, I have this, you know, volleyball team I'm a part of. I have a game or, you know, I, whatever it is, you don't even need an excuse, but just to say, no, it's closing time. I'm going home. We don't have that excuse anymore because we're already there. And so, um, I would start answering emails the second I would open my eyes Mm -hmm. and then I'd stay in bed for a couple of hours. And then later on, when I would try to go to bed, my body was conditioned to be in work mode because that's where I was. Um, And there's some, you know, psychological uh, theory that says, you know, wherever you study or whatever you're doing when you're working or studying, do the same thing when you're taking that test or when you're trying to be productive because your body gets conditioned. So if you chew the same mint gum when you're studying for the math test, chew that same mint gum when you're taking the test and it'll help you remember everything that you were working on. Well, our bodies are the same way in terms of where we're working. So if you're working on the couch two days a week, but then Saturday afternoon, you're trying to watch a movie from that same spot, your body isn't gonna be able to get as fully relaxed as you were a couple months prior to working from that spot. It's just very interesting how easy we're able to easily we're able to <laughs> shift everything that we've been conditioned to do prior. But that certainly was helpful. It was coming up. I agree with you. That routine in the morning, trying to set your intention for the day, avoid your phone whenever you could, um, especially the doomsday scrolling. I think is what oh, yeah. the kids are calling it now. <laughs> I've, I've fallen victim to that in the past, so I've luckily been able to get out of that rabbit hole yeah sometimes yeah um didn't mean to interrupt you but i wanted to, i was curious about so what i'm hearing from students and from coworkers and from people in general is that going forward they want some form of flexibility in their work day in their work week, whatever that looks like. Um, So if you had a crystal ball, what would you predict, let's say near term for the second half of 2021, um, kind of how how things will look in terms of just kind of general flexibility for uh, maybe for you in particular, but also just in general, how things might, the landscape might look. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm, and I'm also curious to ask you the same thing and to hear if you've learned a little bit about yourself with this flexibility as to what your needs are, because I think that a lot of people have recognized not only that they prefer to have that flexibility, but also they're realizing that the flexibility is possible in their role. Um, of course, there are some positions, you know, if we're looking outside of higher education that just can't be done virtually. Um, 
you know, that's completely understandable, um, especially if we think about the restaurant business, you know, that's just one thing that I, I don't believe it would be as possible um, to make, uh, to make virtual, but um, I think that a lot of companies and a lot of individuals are, are realizing that they have that potential to work from home and that it actually works better for their lifestyle. Um, I think it's super individual. And I, so I think it's going to be really important for leadership teams and for companies at large to be having those conversations with their employees about that level of flexibility and what their needs are. Uh, for me personally, um, in an ideal world, I would probably split the week or even do every other week in office, out of office. Um, again, because um, the majority of my students are virtual anyways, um, there isn't as much of a, of a need for in-person meetings. However, uh, for me, I think that relationship building, I would appreciate being able to have that opportunity in person. Um, however, I've really it's funny, we were talking about introversion and extroversion. I realized that while I consider myself an extrovert, um, I wonder if some of that has been flexing and growing up in a society that is, um, is really pushing extroversion. Uh, because I have noticed I do have a fair amount of introversion, introverted tendencies. And I, and I have recognized that especially during the day, uh, I'm able to adjust my schedule based off of when I need to re-energize and, and finding that I'm really most productive in the morning. Um, and if I, you know, have anything past 5 PM, that's really when I'm falling off the deep end. And, um, and so I think that being able to have those open communications with your leadership team and being able to share and articulate your needs to try to come up with a good balance within the team so that we're able to reflect on when our major pushes of motivation and, uh, and inspiration come to us so that we can try to avoid unnecessary time in the office. Uh, because even more so, I think uh, this, this time in quarantine has also uh, helped us reprioritize things, um, living to work versus working to live. Mm -hmm. And so I think especially, um, people having that flexibility to have a life outside of their office, and that's been a little bit more attainable in quarantine working from home. So I would hope that other people would be able to be an advocate for themselves and, um, and have that flexibility of being able to have that work-life balance based off of, you know, their ability to be home when they need to be home. So a bit of a roundabout way of answering your question, but I, I do think, you know, for me personally, having the flexibility would be my major hope. And, you know, I, 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 I hope that things never go back to the way they did prior to 2020. I think that, uh, I think that we as a country and, and maybe even as a world needed this, this ability to reflect and hit the pause button in some instances, um, because I think this is giving everyone an opportunity to think about their needs and reprioritize their values, obviously in, in a, under horrible circumstances. Um, but I, I think that this is an opportunity for corporate America to take a look at uh, their relationships with their employees and, and the overall happiness and job satisfaction that's happening within their companies and, and, and revisiting. Uh, what that could look like for them. 
Yeah. So work, work to live. That's actually a book on my bookshelf. Um, there's a book called work to live it. It's, I, you may be familiar with it, but it's, it basically compares how people in Europe have been doing it for so many years, how there's so much more of a work-life balance just ingrained into the work culture than there is in the U S mm-hmm. and so things that we can learn from Europeans who seem to have done it right for so many years. And it's like here in the U S it's just because we've done it the same way for so long. Doesn't mean it's the right way or there's not a, another better way to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and I think also, you know, just to touch really briefly, the productivity issue, I think working from home from what I'm hearing from a lot of people and this, I've experienced myself is, you know, when I ask people, why, why don't you want to go back into the office? And invariably part of the reason is I don't want to, I don't want that commute anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. The commute that takes two hours out of my day yeah. back and forth. Um, and it's usually followed up by, I can be at home and work at work at those two hours versus being on the train or being in my car or parking on blah, 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 this, this, that, or the other. So I think that's an important aspect for companies to keep in mind that their employees are going to be more productive and have, and we've proven it. We've proven it. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's like, I agree. There's going to be uh, a degree of flexibility and a hybrid work situations. And I think that's just going to be dictated partly by government in terms of health and safety mm-hmm. guidelines that we have to have limited capacity in buildings and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But it's also going to be driven by working professionals who are going to demand it. They're going to demand, they've seen it work. They, they like the flexibility you know, and organizations, if they're smart, are going to listen to their employees and want to have happy employees and keep morale up and, you know, retain their employees. Because I think the cat's out of the bag now, like people know if, well, if you're not going to offer me flexibility, I can, I can find it somewhere else. Right. Yeah. That's such a good point. And, and I actually, I used to have this conversation with family members pretty frequently because, um, at one of my old positions, uh, I, when I was getting my master's, I was able to have one day that I was able to work virtually. Um, and it was a game changer in terms of me being able to catch up on work, um, without, and again, you know, I love the chit chat, Um, but a lot of people, I worked in an open seating area. And so I had that one day when I was working from home and I was able to just focus on catching up on the things I needed to catch up on, as opposed to, you know, getting pulled in a meeting over here or having, you know, um, you know, other things pop up. And I was so incredibly productive, but I would have conversations with, um, with my family members and some of my friends who didn't have that flexibility. And they would say, oh, you know, but I imagine if my coworkers or if my employees are working from home, they're just getting their nails done or they're just going food shopping and, or they're going for a walk in the park. And my argument was always, 
if they need to get that done on their virtual day, they need to get that done on their virtual day. So you're improving their overall job satisfaction because their overall life and happiness is improving. And so they're going to be more refreshed and not thinking twice about the other things they need to get done if they've done that during the day. Argument number one. Argument number two was also, what do you, people are working. If they're working, they're going to be working. If there's that understanding and if there's that trust between employee and employer, then they're going to be doing their job. But one of their arguments was that um, it just wasn't possible to do their work from home. And it just didn't, it didn't make sense for the work they were doing, whether it was banking or whether it was healthcare, you know, whatever it was, it doesn't make sense. They can't do it from home. It just isn't possible. And I think that that myth has been busted during this time. And and I think that a lot of corporations are going to need to recognize that it's doable and that in some cases it's preferred, but they've been officially blown out of the water with that argument. They can't (laughs) say that anymore. You know, people are able to get it done. So long as they're given the right resources and the support, um, they can do it from anywhere. So. Right. Yeah. I think corporations, um, government, universities, um, you know, and, and it's it's going to be people. They're going. <clears throat> excuse me. So there's going to be opinions from all sides, from you know management, employees, from the university perspective, students, faculty. There, um, I think there's going to be universal kind of calling for for that flexibility. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how the next few months unfold in that respect. But I wanted to wrap it up with one final question. It's sort of a fun question. So when all is said and done, when all the dust has settled post pandemic, whenever that is, you know, like you said in the beginning, kind of we're starting to see that light at the end of the tunnel, but where would be the first place that you would want to travel when it's all completely safe and you can go anywhere in the world. I've had this conversation with myself so many times and every day I ask myself this question, I have a new answer. (laughs) And I think that's because probably of social media is I just, it's uh, it's getting hard to narrow down the list. Um, I would love to do a road trip across the United States Mm. and head over to California. Um, So domestically, that would be my answer for that. I would love to get to see the national parks um, and just take a little bit of time in the car. You know, we are, uh, we're big travelers as I know you guys are as well. And so it's been difficult to, um, to be here on the ground, just, you know, hanging in DC. Um, And so I'd like to finally take the time to explore different parts of the U.S. that I have always had excuses not to go to. However, if I could really go big, I would try to head over to France. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to spend some time there. I actually, one of my very best friends has lived there for the last couple of years, always had an excuse as to why we couldn't make that trip happen. And now no regrets. We got to make it happen now because just seeing, I mean, the last year has just felt like such a wash in a, in a way, um, in, in terms of life events. And so, uh, we got to make that happen. It's time. So that's so funny because that was my answer. Yeah. 
where France. are we thinking? Should we plan a joint trip? <laughs> I think so. I think so. So France. So, but I'm thinking just in general, less populated areas. Um, we've typically gone to like the big cities in yeah. Europe and across the U.S. Now I'm feeling like maybe I need a little, need a little more space. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep a little bit of distance going. Keep the social distancing a little, just, you know, in some form, just because I think just there's going to be some degree of anxiety amongst everyone yep. and it's only natural. Right. But so I think I would love to fly over to Paris and we get a rental car and we just kind of drive through the French countryside, stop at a B&B here and there, kind of take a couple of weeks and just explore, you know, the French countryside. Yeah, that sounds lovely. And also just appreciate, I think that, you know, I know you guys were always good about doing, you know, a big summer trip every year. And I think that again, back to, this new world that we're living in, it's just made me so much more grateful than I ever was before for those chances to travel. Um, you know, never took them for granted, but certainly I'm looking at them in a new light now, just being able to explore, have, you know, enjoy different cultures and new food. I speak zero French, but I would love to go in the middle of the countryside and just get lost and need to figure it out from there. Um, well, just, just download Duolingo and just get, okay. get up to speed on some basic, you know, conversational French. You'll be fine. I'll work on it. Trey <laughs> speaks Spanish. So I'm sure if he just says enough, there will be some overlap in similar words at some point, <laughs> hopefully, but yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll get by, you know, it, it, it's all good. It's really, <laughs> it's so long as I can figure out how to order myself a glass of wine and a baguette. <laughs> You're set. Be in the clear. <laughs> You're set. Well, I just want to thank you, Mackenzie, for this really awesome and enlightening and informative discussion today. It's always good to share with others how they're experiencing the world, um, this crazy world that we're living in. And hopefully, you know, people listening can kind of take some tips that from us that we've experienced um, and apply it to their lives. So um, yeah, any parting thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, thank, I'm so glad that you're doing this. I think it's a really important time to be able to be honest and open about what's going on in our professional and our personal lives. It's such a strange time. Um, and the, the, the best way to be able to get through it is to be able to empathize and to chat about these important topics. So thank you for giving me the chance to share this and thanks for, you know, giving the listeners an opportunity to gain some insights. Great. Well, thanks for being with us today, Mackenzie, and taking time out of your day. And again, my name is Joe Rosenlicht with Career Optimum Coaching. And until next time, be well and be safe. <laughs>